1: Welcome back, Sports to the Max, News Talk 830, WCCO. 500, the number, that's a lot of wins. Mike McDonald, Cambridge, I see any head coach, just got his 500th win. He put the McDonald family together. uh, His dad Bob the all time when he was coach of the 1012. I don't know where the rest of them, but Mike, do you even have any idea if you took yourself, your father, your brothers, and now sons, Uh, nieces and nephews, how many, you know, varsity wins through junior college wins there would be. Do you have any idea what that number would be?
2: Well, I know, I know my brother Paul has 500 from his coaching up at Vermilion and some, his career at Vermilion Community College in Ely. My brother Tom, who coaches up at Ely High School, also reached 500 a a year or two ago. Uh, And then of course my, my sons, et cetera, are, are starting to add to that total as well. I know my son, Rhett's team at Duluth East, of course, made the state tournament last year and had, had uh, you know, multiple wins there, too. So, yeah.
1: and then you I throw in a, say... ne- a nephew in Minnetonka. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. Forest Lake, I mean, that's a lot of wins. We're 2,500 and counting somewhere in
2: there. Somewhere in there, I'd say yeah, 2,500 and counting. Over 2,500 wins, Mike. Okay,
1: so you got yours the other night. Uh, I, I mean does does that does that number mean a lot to you or does it just force you to reflect and think about this is why i do what i do
2: it's a it's a milestone but i think it's more the second part of it mike it just reflects on on you doing what you do and if you do it long enough uh, milestones like that occur i think that's that's the major thing and that you know it it looks back it reflects back on a, a long career you know it's been uh this is my 35th year at Cambridge Sanny. I had 4 years as a head coach out in Presho, South Dakota at Lyman High School prior to that. So it's been a it's been a it's been a a lot of games and a lot of wins and there's a lot of uh, low point losses in those in those uh yeah. years as well.
1: Yeah, and, and what you and I were talking about earlier today and, and there are I mean there there is a feeling when you lose a game especially if you think you should have won it or you underperformed. I mean there's different categories uh, to losses but but it's a pit in the stomach that you, you you can't explain to anyone that hasn't suffered through it uh but but yet there's something about sports that the greatest thing is by the next day you start to process it and and pretty soon you lost on tuesday and you got to come back on friday and you know you got to have them ready on friday and by friday you're feeling really good again uh, I, I mean talk about a metaphor for life huh
2: yes it is i guess a metaphor for life is it yeah you don't have really time to dwell on the past. You know, I always tell my players that when they're playing the game, they have to play present. You know, they have to play the next possession. I think coaching is a lot like that. You just have to move on from, let's say, a tough loss. We had we had a loss at the buzzer this year that was very tough to deal with. And as a coach, you have those sleepless nights where you wake up in the middle of the night and start revisiting, you know, some of those uh, experiences. But the bottom line is you have to get over it and you have to move on to the next game. That you need to play, and I think that's uh, it. And that, in a nutshell, is what really life is all about, too.
1: So, so when you were playing for your father in the storied days of Chisholm and and your brother Paul playing as well, uh, I, I mean, w- when you came home from the game at night on a Tuesday or Friday, would you guys literally sit at the table and break it down? What was it like?
2: You know, it was different. It was probably different back then, Mike, because for one thing, it's so easy right now to break things down. Yeah, <laughs> first of
1: all, you get to watch it again right away.
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know, we have live stream now and the games uh, we have huddle and, you know, we watch can, can we watch games on huddle and and go through that back then? I don't remember a whole lot of sitting at the table with my dad and and revisiting a game. I yeah, There was there was some of that, of course, but I don't think that we dwelled too much. Maybe maybe the fact was is that, you know, I hate to say this, but we were we were successful up there. So we never really had to break down a whole lot of tough losses. I guess that was a the good thing about playing for the Chisholm Blue Streaks.
1: Now, now, Mike, when you look at what you know as an educator, and certainly a father, but an educator and a coach, what what have our kids suffered through the last couple of years with COVID? What what have you seen, and what 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 scares you the most about what you've seen? Our our young people go through, and you know, especially those sophomores, juniors, and seniors that had so much taken away, whether it was a season, a tournament, or crowds.
2: Yeah, I think it all. You know, it was. This has been some tough times. It's been very different for all of us involved in athletics. My my 2020 team, for example, was a Section Seven champion back in 2020, and then the very next day, the state tournament was canceled. That was probably record-wise. That was probably one of the best teams that. I've had the opportunity to coach what did you and
1: tell them when you when you gathered them that day? What did you tell them?
2: That was hard. We were actually sitting down in the coach's office, getting some stuff ready for television, and one of my players walked in the coach they just said the state tournament is was canceled, and that was one of the toughest days of my coaching life to see like the dream of playing the state tournament shattered in twenty twenty and and we felt that year that with the scores that we had that we were able to go to the state tournament of section seven and compete with the best. We had played. You had Henry, man. We had Henry at that time. Yes, we had Henry Abraham at that time, and that uh, we were looking forward to the getting the state tournament. We thought we could make some noise, and of course, that was taken away. And then the next year, of course, I had a brand new team and had no summer basketball, and then started playing in oh, yeah. January with no kind of prep and try to struggle through a kind of a makeshift season. And my last game of, of last season was, uh, was one of my kids came down with a positive COVID test and they just canceled. We didn't even play in the tournament. So you and had so, two
1: years where your season ended because of COVID.
2: Two years because oh. the season ended in COVID. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a tragic two years and, and try to, to uh, continue on. I guess the you talked about, uh, losing a game. The only good thing about the 2020 season was the fact we we ended on a high note. We ended on a, on winning our last game. Yeah, and, yeah. I
1: say the only team that can win is the, the one that wins the state championship, the third place game, with the constellation, But at least in COVID years, you can win. A lot of teams won their last game, huh?
2: Correct. Yeah, we won our last game, so that was the only positive thing about that season. And this this season, you know, we're uh, we have not been affected by COVID too much, and we've been we're crossing our fingers and and hoping that it continues that way. And, and uh, you know, it's it's so far so good. It's been, a, a, for the most part, a regular season.
1: Mike McDonald is our guest, reflecting on 500 wins, part of the McDonald family tree of basketball royalty here in the state, and more importantly, maybe what kids need to get out of it. Another thing that you and I talked about this afternoon we were talking, and, uh, you, you know, 500, and we talk about wins, and we talk about, you know, the best seasons, and we talk about all that stuff um but there's another piece to this whole thing and that is that every day if you if you engage yourself in the process and and you really work hard at it um there's a lot that can come out of a lot of things, including losing, including, you know, be, being shut down because of COVID. All of those things are educational opportunities. Does did, did, did your vantage point on that change over years as you coach? I mean, when you're first in it, is it all more about winning? And does it change over time when you see the value of other things and understanding also what you can't control?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You can only control what you can control. And I think as a coach, I've changed over the the 39 years of being a head coach and 40 plus years of being an assistant uh, a couple of years beyond that. I think after a while, you know, I think uh, losing early on in my career consumed me a little bit more so than it does now. Not that, not that I would never say that I'm a good loser, Mike. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, it's just something that, you know, that you just can't dwell on it and uh, you just have to move on. And I think that's a little bit what, what life is all about. I think through COVID and and through everything else, uh, you know, it's a a lesson in how to handle adversity. And I always tell my kids that, you know, my players that you might fail, but you can still learn. I think sometimes one of the biggest teachers is is failure and how you respond to failure.
1: Now, your father, I mentioned, you know, 1,012 wins. Everybody knows about Bob and all oh, that went into uh, his coaching career and his resume. And, and he told me a statistic that I, I never would have guessed or really thought about. He said he never got a technical foul. Yeah,
2: yeah, that is true.
1: H- how could that be someone that competitive? How, how did he control himself to that extent?
2: Well, for you know, and don't get me wrong. He was not this quiet guy on the bench. No! Kind of, uh, you know, that's the thing. But the, the good thing about my dad, he never used any of those so-called magic words. Ah. You know? I know that there's always uh those magic words will get you a technical foul and yep. and that's one thing my dad was ever you know my dad was very artic- uh, he was very articulate my dad was probably one of the most intelligent guys uh that that you know i of course i grew up with but i've ever met and he could really speak and somehow he was able to get his point across to the referee sometimes by yelling loudly. Mm-hmm. That uh, without getting that technical foul, I, I think too. At one time, Mike, I think referees back then maybe had a little bit thicker skin. Okay. Uh, as as such as then today, I think you know today there's maybe a little more emphasis on on uh, proper or improper behavior by coaches on the sideline. Sure.
1: Sure, and, and how they interpret that is up to each referee, I guess, you know. Correct. Yeah. Correct. yeah. Mike McDonald is our guest, Cambridge. I see any he head coach reflecting on 500 wins and really the basketball and competition and in, in a bigger, broader scheme. You mentioned Henry Abraham, great player for you, Division One player a couple of years ago, not the biggest kid on the floor. Every once in a while you'll walk into a gym, and if you don't know. I, I watched this Sam Wrench the other night from Hutchinson. He's got that where you go. Wow, that's a lot of hours he poured into this game to get to what you'd be able to do what he's doing right now. You just see that every once in a while. And, and Henry had that, you, you know, you walk on the floor and you just you, you become kind of you can't take your eyes off him because every time he's got the ball, something good can happen. Uh, if somebody looks at him, what do you tell him? How how do you get to that level? Is, is that just flat out a basketball junkie or how did he get there without, you know, he's not six, five, he's not six, eight, he, but he sure loves the game.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, what it came down to was just the time spent, the quality time spent working on his game, and uh, you know it, it has a lot to do with skills, but just being, just having the vision, you know, to uh, make decisions because basketball, of course, is all about it. ever changing, and just having that feel, that innate feel for the game, and that's something that Henry had as a player that. Uh, You know, that made him very special. Again, not quite probably six foot tall, but just being able to uh, make plays, whether it be uh, setting up a teammate or getting his feet set and knocking down the three. Henry had all of those uh, qualities as a player.
1: Yeah, because about the time you say it's a big man's game, you'd watch him and you'd say, no, no, he just controlled that entire game. He he put the big men where he wanted to put them. He if he was open, he was going to shoot the three. If you are on your heels, he was going to go to the basket. He, his eyes were always moving, so he was looking for somebody open. And you realize that you know sometimes, we, pardon the pun, we sell ourselves short. But there is room in basketball for a lot of different ways to be effective in there.
2: Yes, there is. Yes, there is. There's a you know, and you can be effective in so many ways. And Henry was that type that was he was effective as as that offensive player, as that point guard, but. He was able to see, you know, past maybe the primary defender and see what was happening behind. And I think that that vision, I think, is what made him truly special. Not that he didn't have a great amount of skill in shooting the basketball, which, again, would uh, allow him to get past people because you had to come up and guard him so well, too.
1: Mike, you're also a teacher. You just retired from your teaching responsibilities and you're doing basketball, and you said you found this to be a – Pretty nice way to go through life <laughs> right now. You'd have done it sooner if you don't how much fun it was. But how have the students changed since you started, and, and how have they evolved, you know, in uh, 1979 versus today?
2: <laughs> Great question there. I think, uh, you know, one, one of the things I think is, is students have so many more distractions today than what they did. You know, I think uh, from uh, cell phones to social media to uh, – Things were yeah. Things were always uh, there weren't as many distractions. You know, I grew up, when I started. I mean, we barely had a had a copy machine. You know, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. more or like less you wrote down all your tests on a piece of paper, and you had yeah. the copy machines were different. And uh, you know, watching a video in in uh, in the classroom, we had those big reel-to-reel type of projectors. Yes, at one
1: time. that's all that was available. Yeah.
2: That's all that was available. So I think, you know, there's been a there's been a whole lot more distractions that and I think the classroom is different because of that. You know, I was uh, I taught history at Cambridge Sandy High School for my career there and really enjoyed the, the classroom piece. But there was there was so much other stuff that began to creep in with technology and with that were those distractions were sometimes a little bit uh sometimes less discipline at times and things like that. And I think those distractions were, were a big part of
1: that. Okay, my well, last question for you, and I, I, I'm wondering this as we evolve as a society, and that is that what, you, what you teach them in, let's just say in history. When I went to school, uh, for most of us, right, you you learned what you learned in history and then you, you, you committed it to memory and, and that's where you went with it. Now, any question you ask about, whether it's about the War of 1812 or the Declaration of Independence, they can, they can pop it on their phone and a kid will say, I really don't need to study this because if I need the answer, it's at my fingertips. Has that changed education?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think in a way it has. I think that the basics are still like. There, from teaching history, and I'm going to be a little bit philosophical here. I always tell my history students that remember that history is someone's interpretation of the past, and somebody who basically would, would look at an event, they might interpret. It differently because of who they are or what they are absolutely I, I think Great that's point. the important thing that's that's the important thing about history that then that's why i love teaching history for the, the many years that i did is simply because of that that you could take something and if you had to have the evidence that that interpretation could change and history is not as as uh, concrete as it is there are different interpretations out there
1: yeah, if you if you talk to if we if we could go back and talk to the people from uh, uh, from Great Britain and England, they probably had a different interpretation of the war than, than we did. And, and, and you know, it just depends on where you're sitting. But it, you're right. And then it gets written down, and, and and we commit ourselves to whatever it is that we find as facts. But we may or may not be accurate, or we may be selling ourselves short in, in really investigating it sometimes.
2: Correct. And, you know, I always say I always used to ask my students this simple question. What is the truth when it comes to the past? And that is a, that is a, here we are kind of philosophical. But, that yeah, but I bet of, you get some amazing different answers of the same events. There are there are, you know, what what is taught in in uh, Europe might be different than what's taught in the States here.
1: Huh, we could go on all day on that stuff. Mike. great stuff. Hey, congratulations. Always good to visit <laughs> with you. Continued thank success. You, but thank you for giving us some time tonight.
2: I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Take care. And it's great. uh, Great being with you, Mike. You bet.
1: Mike McDonald, head coach, Cambridge, Isani, 500 wins and counting. Stay with us on Sports to the Max.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?